<sighs> Sometimes I like to fire it up without telling people just so we can kind of like go into it naturally almost. Because it's like once the once the camera once it starts and you realize it starts like sometimes you put up a little bit of a facade. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I, I suppose. I guess. I guess I was looking for like intro music. Are we gonna? Is there like a podcast like theme? We, we, gotta, we start with this like rolling thunder kind of. No. It's the Scott cast. I mean, excuse me. It's not the Scott cast. I don't know what it is. It's not the Scott cast. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Oh, we are live though, guys. We need like the Ric Flair theme music. Oh yeah, we should have got that queued up. I don't know if it's uh, public domain, but eh, fuck it, we'll try it. Anyway. Probably not. Uh, that set that you did at the rec center for Halloween was one of my favorite comedy sets that I've ever seen anyone do. It still stands as my personal favorite. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out, like, okay, how what corny way can I work Ric Flair into other things now? Right, right. How can I incorporate this? Yeah, I find myself doing that too. Like, you write a joke that's um, it's like super in need of context or mm -hmm. um it's really like current events you know what i mean you're like how can i take this and make it timeless you know what i mean right right it's hard to do it's yeah. hard to do so have you guys been i was talking to heather um before we started asking her about how many jokes she's written during quarantine and then you came back in the room how much how much work have you guys gotten done during the covid you can start oh <laughs> So I only have like 10 new minutes of stand up. It's, it's hard when you're not doing anything to get experiences to mm -hmm. write about. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. You just have to like look at the room and be like, cup. How yeah. do I yeah. write yeah. jokes about cup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll sometimes like scroll the news and I'm like, oh, death, sadness, sad, uh, uh, hard to write jokes about. Okay. You know, and it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's definitely like a good catalyst for jokes is, is scrolling headlines, but mm -hmm. all the headlines have been these past couple months is quarantine and COVID and yeah. mm -hmm. death tolls. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to like pick from that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, what's it like? I I loved, you guys know I'm good friends with uh, Pete Consiglio. We've been yeah. friends since childhood. Uh, he used to come over a lot. He used to come over like once a week on Wednesdays and write with me. Mm -hmm. And we would have these really productive writing sessions. And those were probably some of the most productive writing sessions I've had. Um, so just because of that, I feel like you guys have a little bit of an advantage being both being comedians, being a couple, mm -hmm. living together. Go ahead. I feel like you you describe it better. I described it once as like, we realized that we're both the kids that did all the work in group assignments in school, right? right. So like, we've both kind of just like, I got it, I got it. So I feel like we both, we haven't learned how to exactly work together yet. I think we still bounce ideas off each other. Like I'll be like, hey, what about blah, 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 blah. And she's like, take out the bra and it might be okay. Uh, or it, we'll, we'll bounce little ideas off each other, but it's almost more of a, review and brainstorming I, we haven't figured out quite yet how to work together in writing those jokes yet right well i don't necessarily mean for like 
writing like tandem jokes like i know you guys have toyed with the idea of doing like a set together yeah, um, yeah. i feel like because of your clashing personalities in that way mm -hmm. being both the kids who always did the group work that it would yeah. be hard for you guys to team up for tandem jokes because yeah. it would be like yeah. one is trying to steamroll the other because mm -hmm. um, you see it this way and i see it this way yeah but i just meant as far as like do you guys have like hey let's sit down and write for a little while and and you work on jokes and i'll work on jokes and then we'll kind of compare notes and um yeah we usually come together after we've already written like the first yeah. draft of our whatever set we're gonna do and then we run it by yeah i think we're both or at least i can speak for me i think you're about the same is i almost have to like live life and then somewhere along the line i have a conversation or an idea crosses my head i read a headline i hear a joke some other comic does something that like sparks a little something and then i'll write it and expand on it so it's i, I haven't figured out how to like sit down and write jokes quite yet it's something right. i've been wanting to do i know comics who can do that i just haven't figured out how to do it yet i used to be pretty good at forcing the issue like that and then i i lost my momentum and now i'm kind of where you're at it's like i need i need something to spark that right um but you can definitely sit down and do like writing drills and just kind of like i said earlier as a dumb ex, uh dumb example but just literally look at things in the room and be like cup how do i write jokes about drinking cup um mm -hmm. now it's not going to come out something like super relatable or groundbreaking but mm -hmm. you're at least like exercising joke writing yeah right and then when the time when you do get that spark you'll have all the other experience from forcing jokes that it's just gonna multiply whatever it is that you're doing now what, what the the joke that you want to work on if right. that makes sense you guys are math nerds aren't you for lack of a better term <laughs> a bit a bit because you talk about you were in math math club in high school <laughs> I you was like the trigonometry uh, dick joke. <laughs> you just gave away the punchline. So, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, so I was I was captain of the high school math team. Nice, nice. What about what about you, Heather? Um, I'm okay with math. I don't. Um, I got up to like calculus, and I remember like none of it. But <laughs> <laughs> I I don't mind math. I got you. How advanced were you, Brian? She got. She said she just got to calculus. I'm like, what kind of math were you doing? So I have a PhD in mechanical engineering. I don't know okay. if you knew that or not. So I think in terms of pure math, the hardest class I ever took was advanced calculus, which sounds like, oh, it's just calculus, but harder. And it's way different. It's actually, let's take all of math and break it back down to its fundamental pieces. So it's all about like logic and set theory and like defining functions in terms of abstract sets and open and closed intervals and all this uh, fun abstracty kind of math. After a while you're like, where's an equal sign? I need an equal sign, damn it, what am I doing? Um, and then I took, because I did engineering, I took some uh, controls classes that were pretty math intense. So, so, so that uh, that advanced calculus is basically like breaking down the fundament the fundamentals of math, like trying to. That's almost the way I describe it. Like the people that 
it's kind of like through school you're just sort of learning like oh add you do these operations and multiplication you do this and then it's kind of like you get to classes that math majors take and there's more like what is a number <laughs> like, <laughs> what does it mean to define a function and what could you make a function and so you get these like weird ass cases and you start running into number theory and all this fun stuff and some of it is actually very applicable or ends up being the driving math to some of the engineering stuff that goes on um kind of the what goes on in the background but you almost have to break down like yeah what is a function what is a derivative like in a very precise way right that's interesting that's really interesting it's almost like the philosophy of math in a way, in a way. um i i talked to you guys before about it i'm really I don't have as much of an understanding as math as you do, but I do have an interest in math and I see it being part of like, um, part of like the language of the universe. Math is like the only language that's universal. I mean, mm -hmm. um, and it's, we didn't, we didn't create it. We discovered it, you know, Pythagoras discovered math. Um, so it's just, it's just really interesting to me, you know what I mean? It's, it's like it comes from a, a separate place or something like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to get into. But do you guys, do you think that math ties into your creation, your joke writing at all? Other than like trigonometry dick jokes, do you think <laughs> that there's an actual like mathematical nature to creating jokes, to writing jokes? You look like you want to speak, Heather. Yeah, yeah I think um, logic plays a big part. Um, you mm -hmm. have to think through the logic of your jokes. Mm -hmm. um, so that comes in. There's certain things like, you know, rule of three. For whatever mm -hmm. reason, it just mm -hmm. makes it work better. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I see. Mainly in the, the logic area. Okay. Math coming into play. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm just thinking about, like, so I read this book. Actually, it was one of Brian Siegel's suggestions, which is uh, the Comedy Bible. The Comedy Bible. There we go. I, I think I read the newer one. Yeah, he read uh, the new one. I read the old one. <laughs> we so found two on Amazon, and we just split it up. I read the new one. You read the old one. I think they're covering a lot of the same material. But she talks about like the structure of jokes is almost like the formula of like doing the setup punchline. Right. Uh, right. You know, all these like little pieces to it and how you can then chain on tags and things and there's like a there's a certain interesting structure there that just i think there's jokes that don't always follow that but it seems like that works for some reason it's kind of interesting um if there's something to do i don't know exactly how mathy it is but there is some interesting structure and organization there yeah yeah so um the thing that i've been seeing so I've been recently trying to get back into like algebra and relearn algebra. I used to be really good at it when I was in high school. Um, I've actually been getting Liz, Liz Carr to tutor me a little bit. Oh, nice. I, I, I know you guys both know Liz. We all open for Liz uh, on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, so my theory kind of to her was that I'm, I'm trying to learn it because I feel like it's applicable to writing jokes because like creating jokes almost has an algebraic nature. There's a lot of like variables involved and filling blanks and kind of creating your own word problems, creating your own puzzle. Mm -hmm. does, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah, because algebra solving equations is like a puzzle and yeah. that you hit it spot on. It's how yeah. jokes work. 
Sometimes you start with the punchline and you have to figure out what's missing to get there. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, or you just, or you have a, a, a setup and a punchline with nothing in between or, or yeah. whatever, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, yeah, I've been, I've been really trying to like get back into learning algebra and stuff before that reason. I feel that it's important to creation. Um, I know I'm strange, strange guy. <laughs> so how'd you guys meet? For those of you who don't know, Heather and Brian are married. How long have you guys been married? We've been married for almost five years. Oh, I thought you were going to do the joke. Ah, damn it. Ah, <laughs> I'm being too serious. <laughs> that, that's always funny. That's all. <laughs> all right. Now, can we rewind the live podcast? No. Um, no, we've been, we've known each other since high school. Uh, so yeah, how old been, are you guys? I was 17. You were 16. Yeah. And then. We're now, I'm 32, I'm 31. 31. So yeah, we met in 2005. I did my math right. Yeah. I think I did my math right. Yeah, so, okay. So we met in a uh, composition class um, for writing and I would not have taken the class had I not dropped band on the first day of that semester. And I wouldn't have taken that class if I had actually followed the schedule they laid out for me and instead, I tried to like weasel my way into a chemistry class early. And so I ended up moving this class later. So the, the stars aligned and um, we met. Uh, I came in the second day and there was only one desk. So I, I sat in it. It was behind him. And his first words he ever said to me were, it's okay, I don't bite. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, so, that your way? Learning, Brian? <laughs> I think it was. And then at some point that semester I hit you with a newspaper. Yeah, he did. He hit me with a <laughs> But the teacher would put up like journals every day and we'd have to write our journals. So we mm -hmm. kind of like bonded over mm -hmm. the journals that we wrote. Mm -hmm. and That's then, really um, cool that you guys met in a composition class and now you're both yeah. comedians that sometimes write jokes together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was actually the class I think that still stands as the only English class I ever liked. I think part of that was Heather, but I think part of that was the teacher was really solid. It was just a, a she tried to make the class really interesting. So right, that definitely helps to have a good teacher. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Do you think say, a good and teacher? And then we. Uh, oh, go ahead. What? Uh, um, <laughs> never mind. Uh, well, did did you think she was a good teacher? Yes. 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 I even emailed her um, later and told her like how much I enjoyed the class. But then, yeah, he graduated mm -hmm. um, the year before me and he would come back and visit the school. And on one of those visits, I gave him my email address and then we just kind of stayed in contact. Yeah. So that was like literally, again, talking stars aligning, it's bell lets out at the end of the day. You have like, I don't know, was it 600, 700 kids like rushing towards the front door and I'm going in to meet a friend of mine and I just happened to cross paths with her at the same time. And she's like, oh, grabs a piece of notebook paper, writes her email down, and hands it to me. Oh. And then, yeah, we stayed in contact for a while. And then uh, we didn't start dating till 2010. Yeah. Yeah. So a few years after that, they gotcha. dated for a while, then got hitched. So um, I know you guys grew up out in the mountains, out in Martinsville. When did you move here? Moved or to here. this area? To about two years ago 
Okay. So I lived, um, I was originally from Martinsville. She was from Roanoke. And she ended up, that was another thing. You weren't even supposed to go to that high school. Yeah. We ended up uh, in the same high school through uh, parents and stuff moving around. And then uh, I went to school at Virginia Tech. She ended up living with me uh, while I was finishing up grad school. Then I moved to Florida, spent two years in Florida, which was fun for gaining lots of jokes. I think you have probably 30 minutes of material just from those two years. If you're a struggling uh, comedy writer and you want some material, uh, move to Florida for a little while and uh, you'll just pick some shit up. And then uh, we moved back here about two years ago. Okay, okay. And um, so you, you guys moved around for school a lot, school and work, stuff like that. Yeah. Got you, got you. Yeah. And then what? What made you start doing comedy? How'd you guys find, how'd you find us? I felt like you started first, so you started. Yeah, he had a friend in grad school who did stand up in Blacksburg and we went to see a couple of his shows. And actually I started because of guilt, because after one of those shows, I, I, I made some kind of comment like, <laughs> I could probably do that. And then Brian was like, really? Okay. All right. I didn't mean it and like then, that. I believed yeah. you. It's just. Okay. And then years later, I was like, well, I have to know if I could do that. So we looked up some open mics in um, Richmond first. And then uh, we found the one in Fredericksburg. Is that where you guys started was Richmond? Yeah. Okay. Okay. How many mics did you do down there before you came to Fredericksburg? Um, I had started December of um, 2018. 18. And then we met you in May of 2019, so. Okay. So not yeah, too long, just a couple yeah, months. Yeah. yeah, and then work days, hard to get down there. So it was more like what weekend shows there are that are open mics, which there's usually not that many. So I think we were hopping down there like Once one or weekend or two weekends a month. I got you, I got you. Um, but you guys, you both kind of got a bug for it because even though you know, you both have uh, complicated schedules and you're both responsible adults. You still find a way to get out to open mics pretty much every week. We've been trying, we've been trying. Um, and you have to have happy things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't just sit around and do math all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't know, I mean, I could, but she wants me to have a social life for some reason, I don't know. Yeah, when we were living in Florida, we were, very unhappy and we realized that the reason we were very unhappy is that we didn't like we had no social interactions with people other than yeah. work because everybody we knew from work was married and had kids because that's what you do down or they love getting on the boat they were <laughs> on a boat all the damn time it was yeah. either boat life or kid life that was it you had to pick and, and we both, were like eh. you're both too fair-skinned for boat life <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of the first things somebody said when I got down there, like, boy, you're going to burn. Yeah. <laughs> Get some sunscreen. <laughs> like, like, no okay. offense. I'm also way too fair skinned for my life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I like lifted up my shirt, I'll just blind the camera. Just wipe it out. <laughs> like have to refocus and shit. Like, yeah. No, I don't want that. Um, how, how, how close did you guys live to the coast? Or in Florida? Yeah. What part yeah of Florida we were, uh, we lived in Fort Walton beach. We were, so, okay, so you know how Florida looks like um, genitals? Yes. Okay, um, you have like the little part that's kind of like the balls. Yeah, yeah. My hand okay. like, um, we were on the left side of that. So we were like in the taint of Florida. Y'all were like in the Gulf, Gulf Coast? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So closer to Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much it was, they, they used to joke that, hey, you're in LA now, lower Alabama. And they would do that all the time. Like literally about half the people I met would make that joke at some point in time. Doesn't seem like somewhere you guys would fit in. No, not exactly. There were some good people there, but yeah, it was uh, not quite our crowd. Yeah, yeah. So you think the comedy family is more your crowd? I think so. Yeah, we, we both, at least I can speak for me, and I think you're the same. Um, we like hanging around weird, interesting people. Like yeah. in, in college, I always hung around weird, interesting people. And that was always the enjoyable part. And then stand up, you're surrounded by that. Yeah. Um, weird, interesting, and supportive. Also creative and, and intelligent. All, you know, all these things that like, yeah, that sounds like great friend material, right? So yeah, 100%. Um, speaking of intelligent and creativity, that's something I always tell you guys. And that's why I think you're good at stand-up comedy is because you're both really intelligent and creativity is intelligence having fun and that's why you guys are oh <laughs> when are we starting the hansen tribute band and going on tour um we're on we're on facebook live and go anywhere right so let's do it right now <laughs> i'll go get the guitar i'll go get the guitar are you guys both musicians uh, no no she you do um bass right yeah, yeah i play bass and a little bit of guitar and you were a singer. Huh. <laughs> they, so my family used to have a band, like when I was in high school. Like the Partridge got, family? Yeah, kind of. And we would play, we played Sonic Drive-In. I have a joke about it. But we all had like mic stands to do backup vocals. And they would start like turning my mic down incrementally. <laughs> and then eventually they just took it away from me. <laughs> It's like a, it's like when you have a little kid wanting to play a video game, so you just give them a controller that's not hooked up. Yeah, <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. You're yeah. racing. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> um, music has, that's something I've been learning here recently. I'm not a musician. I've been trying to learn to play drums and keyboard and stuff. But um, music seems to have a really mathematical nature to it, from what I've been noticing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and... As you both know, I'm a huge fan of Tool. I think that's mm -hmm. the promotion, no pun intended, that's the promotion tool that you used earlier to uh, market this <laughs> podcast. Um, and Danny Carey, their drummer, is really into like mathematics and sacred geometry and mm -hmm. um, a lot of strange concepts like that. Um, but he he sees that mathematical nature in music and and placed uh he uses it to his advantage um <laughs> what are some of your guys favorite bands i know it's kind of a weird transition <laughs> or why do why do you like tool i, I like tool <laughs> <laughs> i like them because i mean th their music's great but like like i said i'm really into like mysticism and things of that nature i believe that everything vibrates right everything in the universe has a vibratory nature like um you know this pen it just vibrates slower than the air. That's why I can touch it and flick it and stuff like that. Um, I think that Tool, they have an understanding of this vibratory nature in the universe and use it to their advantage to, I don't know, open portals. <laughs> I, can tell you, 
I can tell you want to mansplain so bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I'm going to stop you. And no, okay. I like <laughs> Go ahead, sweetie. No, I like tool because they, like you said, they take all those mathematical things and then they, they break them so that it sounds wrong. Yeah. But then mm -hmm. it comes together and sounds right. Right. When it's all right. put together. Um, so I really like that. I like that they let the bass like almost be a lead instrument as a bassist. <laughs> I appreciate like Tool is my favorite thing to play on the bass because the, the bass lines are fun and interesting. And I'm just an angsty teenager. So like, <laughs> I just like, <laughs> so you just like sit around listening to a Nemo all day, like learn to swim. <laughs> <laughs> Bas basically. Yeah. Um, so that album is when I fell in love with Tool and it's actually how I discovered Bill Hicks, who's one of my favorite comedians now. Um, they feature one of his comedy bits on the song Third Eye at the mm -hmm. end of that album. Are you guys familiar with Bill Hicks at all? Uh, a little bit. He's He's got a different style of comedy. He's mm -hmm. a very like, kind of an, almost an activist comic um mm -hmm. he's very trying to spread strange ideas and open people's minds to strange cons like like tool um mm -hmm. and that's why they kind of connected and had that bond that they did but um I, I don't know and then i started doing stand up and i sort of came to find that that's sort of the same style that I want to adopt that I want to have is, you know, you guys have seen me do stand up. I like talking about weird stuff. And um, I don't know, for that reason, I've just seen all these synchronicities and just really fell in love with that band. Do you guys have any, have anything in your life like that for you that you just see all kinds of strange synchronicities with? It's an interesting question. Other, other than each other, because the way that you described, seriously, the way that you described how you met and like how you stayed in yeah. contact and stuff, it was very much the stars aligning. Oh, I have to think about that. Yeah. This week on the newlywed game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, tangent while you think about that. Uh, yeah, that was actually my first joke set I ever did was Newlywed Game, which I think I think you've heard that. Yeah, I do. I do vaguely remember that. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't go well. Except the the end kind of worked, and then I ended up just taking the end and making it the joke and throwing away the first like four and a half minutes of it. Right, right. <laughs> I've I have recently been going back to my old notebooks and inputting things into my laptop. And mm -hmm. um, that first one was hard to go through. Everything is so long-winded. It seems like yeah. when you first start writing, everything is just so like, I need a whole half a page to get out this one thought. And it's like, no, you yeah. don't, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, they need details. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was an apple in the corner. <laughs> like, um, have you found that over time your writing style has gotten better? that you've found a way to condense things? Yeah, I think so. I think for sure. I mean, um, I think so. I booked you for a show. I think you're both really talented. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah, I can, I can tell for me for sure. Yeah, your stuff too, I think. I think we've both gotten better at 
brevity, right? Like of trying brevity. to condense things and chop out the details that don't work. Uh, and that's actually one of the things I think we help each other edit too, is sometimes we go through something and we'll be like, do you really need that? Do you really need that part? Or you use that word. Maybe you need this simpler word or, or maybe combine this this way and, and to try to shorten it up and make it nice and concise and to the point. Um, sometimes it really do does depend on a word or a term. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. A word can change everything. It, it, Heather, have you found that writing jokes sometimes and searching for that special word is kind of like tuning a guitar? Um, I hadn't made that analogy, but yeah, definitely. Um, a friend of mine, Pierce, told me that one time. I was I was trying to work out a joke to him, and it was a really well-formed thought, but it was like, I don't want to use this word here. It's too, there's too many syllables. It doesn't have the, it doesn't come off my tongue correctly. You know, it's not sharp enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you guys find do... yourself doing that a lot? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And I was just going to say, I did something similar to you recently, too, where I went through, like, all my old jokes, and I had typed them all out, um, and then, like, gone back through and then just deleted parts or changed this word here now that I read it, you know, after it's been a couple months, and realized, you know, yeah, this word's no good. Let me fix that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've definitely gone back and just thrown out entire jokes and been like, yeah, this isn't any good anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so have you been working on any other projects than comedy? Heather, I know you were writing like some blogs and some skits, I think. Yeah, I um, tried to do a post every day and that lasted like a week and a half. <laughs> and then I, uh, I made that pop-up book Oh yeah, that's right. You did make mm -hmm. up that pop-up book. That was really cool. Super creative. <laughs> is, that, is that around? It's in there. It's okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know why I was thinking of Lovecraft and like the the old ones, but I was, and then I was like, hey, pop-up sounds cool. So I watched all these YouTube tutorials and they're really great. And I was like, yeah, let me do this. Yeah. So if you're curious, like how I help her in the the writing department, uh, this, it, it basically was, She's starting to cut out paper. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm making a children's pop-up book with the old ones, the Lovecraftian <laughs> monsters. I'm like, I don't know how you got to there, but I'm on board. Just keep going. <laughs> how did you get to that? You're like, baby Yoda, baby Shatulu, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It's just something clicked. Yeah. yeah. I love when that happens. Sometimes it takes the strangest combination of thoughts and it's like, this is a joke. This is a really good joke that I just found on accident. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, man, I love talking to you guys. I miss y'all, dude. I, I don't suppose y'all are going to be out on Wednesday, are you? Like being responsible adults and all? I think we're going to try the responsible path and, and not be out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it Looks like it'll be fun. How many comics do you think are going to be there? So far, only Jim is confirmed. Jim and Jesse. Okay. okay. Um, and myself. So hopefully we don't have to do 30 minutes each. That would <laughs> suck. <laughs> that would be a struggle. I'm worried about being rusty. Yeah, yeah. I will, I've actually been wondering about maybe just going to watch comedy shows for a little while when I first go back and just kind of warm myself up right you know? almost like yeah, when you first started oh, wait you're just gonna go straight in yeah. 
because I get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm just sitting there watching and I, I don't get to go up, I get I get jealous. <laughs> you hear everybody getting those laughs and you want them too, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> now you know how I feel. That's how I feel when I tell a pun and nobody laughs. And then you get up there and just do like 10 minutes of puns and everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. Puns are great. I love bread. I'm sorry. You should be now. Um, one of my favorite jokes that you do, Heather, is your, um, it's one of the first jokes I ever heard you do actually was like the Smashing Pumpkins mm. wrestling joke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love that's that's one of those things that I was just talking about, like the just a, a, a random combination of things, and you're like, oh wow, how did I not see that before? And you just start finding all these strange connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your favorite jokes that you guys have written or told? I think we mentioned this earlier. My personal favorite is still the Ric Flair set. Um, I not that I do a good job of impersonations or anything, but there's just something about getting to I know this is corny and I basically approached it as all right Ric Flair is going to try to do open mic stand-up how would he do it oh it'd be just hack as shit right so (laughs) let's just let's just be hacky and tell corny corny jokes and then I made it all build up to I'm a limousine riding jet flying like I kind of made it connect and I don't necessarily do the best job with that normally so I don't know Uh, it was it was fun to write and fun to do what about you Heather um I like my mom smoking joke just because it it goes it takes such an unexpected turn um that's probably my favorite yeah (laughs) and it's probably one of your darker jokes too I like to do that I like to do like silly fun little puns and then Mm -hmm. do like jokes about cremation or right and just spin it on its head at the very end yeah. yeah, I think you oh. come off as this like nice, adorable little comic and you do your fun little puns and then there's like, the hell is that? It's <laughs> <laughs> one little curveball that comes in. It's, that's fun. Well, yeah, you have a, um, your demeanor, you're, you know, you're very quiet and like almost kind of bashful when you get up on stage. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like you get up on stage, you're like, hey, how you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're very much like, um, you're very disciplined in the way that, that you perform but then it's like I guess people just expect you to be like shy and be like that girl that presented you know things in class and just couldn't kind of do it but you do it you get up there and, and you do it and you nail all your jokes um and they're strong <laughs> and, and I think I think that aspect of people's expectations you catch them off guard and it just makes your performance that much stronger thank you yeah of course of course so who are some of your guys uh, biggest comedic influences you can you can go first oh um comedic influences well obviously my wife here oh obviously um well because if it wasn't for her you probably wouldn't be doing stand-up right yeah i was gonna say like if i'm realistic you know what ha- the people that had the most direct impact on me doing stand-up is probably you and my friend Dustin, who we originally saw doing stand-up. Because up until then, you know, we'd saw you know professional comics, gone to venues and seen professional comics. But then there was like kind of one day, you know, we're we're walking back to the lab and he's just like, 
I asked him what he's doing this weekend. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to do improv. I'm like, improv? Like improv comedy? I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and we went and saw it. It was like the first time I ever saw like amateur improv. And I was blown away. He was a hilarious dude. And the, the improv troupe was great. And then he told me, oh, he's also doing stand-ups. I'm like, all right, I'll go see what that's like. And that was kind of like my first introduction to that world, I guess, of the... Oh, normal people can do this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if they're normal. Let's let's take a step back. I don't know if they're normal, but but regular Joes, ish, uh, can can do this, right? Um, and just sort of seeing that uh, professionally, I don't know. I I enjoy a diversity of comedy. I think I like a lot of different things. I guess my favorites would probably be I like Patton Oswalt. Oh yeah, hilarious dude. Um, I like Kyle Kinane. Okay. probably know him um well, i i know controversy now but i used to really love louis ck yeah great guy in terms of comedy yeah. oj anyway. simpson is still a hall of fame running back so true <laughs> true um yeah those are the, the ones that stick out and yeah, i mean i've always like i mean also like your bill burrs patrice o'neill um yeah Thinking Matthew Bouchard, one of the little smaller ones, but still hilarious guy. I don't know. I like a, I like a lot of comics. To be he has honest. a wide variety that you just named. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's just like you can make me laugh. Okay, I like it. I, yeah. I don't know, and I think I think a lot of things can make me laugh. Some of it can be silly. Some of it can be edgier. Some of it can be more family friendly. I don't know. I like a lot of stuff. What about you, Heather? Um, I think we've talked about this before. Um, I like Patton as well. Um, I like comics that don't necessarily have to rely on, you know, the, the stuff that traditionally gets laughs. Like Patton has the, I want all the ham joke. And that's like way out from left field. Like, where did that even come from? It involves time travel. What's happening? Um, so I like that. I like, um, I like how Brian Regan, like if you listen to his mm. stuff, he's hilarious, but it's pretty much clean. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard to do that, I yeah. think. Um, so I really appreciate that. Um, Kyle Kinane, Mitch Hedberg. Oh yeah, Hedberg is definitely, definitely a good choice. Yeah. And there's a, a comic who's more recent, um, Emmy Blotnick. I realize I haven't yeah. said any women yet. Um, I'm sorry. I should have been more PC than that. I should have let off with the what I'm sorry. Um, but I really like her because again, she doesn't like rely on like the oh I'm a slut kind of humor. Like right. Yeah. My vagina, of, my vagina. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that she is has very annoying. Some kind of wacky stuff that's pretty hilarious. I really like her. Do you guys like Zach Galifianakis? Have you ever seen his special live at the Purple Onion? Or which one that is. Um, I've seen a couple of his stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, like his Comedy Central Presents, mm -hmm. that 30-minute set. I remember seeing that. I've seen Between Two Ferns, a bunch of those episodes. Obviously, um, his movie stuff. Yeah, his his comedy special, it's, it's actually on Netflix. Um, I think that's a good example of what, what we were just talking about a minute ago, how they're about just keep pushing the line and pushing the line. And then at the end, just turning it on its head to where it's almost just something else. It's from left field. Yeah. Um, he does a really good job of that, of just like being absurd at the, at the last moment. And you're like, wait, what? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a huge influence on me. That's one I don't name a lot, but anytime I'm having like a writer's block, I'll go back and watch that special just to kind of like get a feel for his techniques and his tools that he's using as a writer and as a performer, and then trying to apply that to my own perspective and stories and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you would both appreciate it. Plus he, he's really, he's a really intelligent guy. Um, yeah. When you watch his special, you can see how intelligent he is. So like he plays a character, you know, like in the hangover, but he's super smart. Um, you both named Patton Oswald. That's another favorite of mine that I think a lot of people don't know that I don't name enough. He's got all his specials are funny to me and he's, mm-hmm. and he's local. He's, he's from uh, oh, yeah. Virginia. Yeah. Um, he has that one joke or story about Arch Campbell from like ABC from like eight news in DC. It's really <laughs> funny, but like, it's super relatable because I know him. I remember watching him as <laughs> yeah. a kid, like doing the movie reviews for oh, Channel yeah. 8 News. Um, <laughs> I think Patton talks about him suggesting Jerry Maguire instead of uh, the Road Warrior, right? <laughs> um, so, Brian, you were just talking about your friend doing improv. Mm-hmm. Before everything shut down with the COVID, we had just started practicing improv after our open mics. And right. um, you both showed a lot of potential and promise. Once again, I think it goes back to how intelligent you both are. Um, but you guys seem, <laughs> you, you both seem like you were picking it up really fast. And uh, myself, Jim, Pete, Brian, the Born and Core team improv troupe, we've been, um, we've been, kind of chomping at the bit to work with you guys again we're excited for everything to clear up so that yeah. are you guys going to do improv with us do you want to do improv with us when this is all done i think we both still do now you guys are going to be way ahead of us yeah. <laughs> like we probably just should do some practicing on our own to try to build up some skills and familiarize ourselves with the games a little more um but i think it's something we're both interested in even if like we suck and we're the b-string guys for your, your performances or something I think just the skill set, the, the, one of the things I think I struggle with as a comic is I'm still, I'm almost still feel like I'm too tied to the set list. Like right. I, I'm not as good at like, if there's an audience distraction or I mess something up, like how to recover from that or how to build off of that. Yep. Um, and so I feel like the improv skills would help me, you know, work that out, I guess, mm-hmm. or get a little better at that. Yeah. And like we said earlier, we both also need to work on, playing well with others <laughs> i feel like fair yeah we must do. be able to to write more together yeah yeah uh, mm-hmm. i'm really excited for the group that we have and and i'm really excited for us to work on projects together mm-hmm. um i think jim kept saying something to you heather when you were putting out those little like blogs and stuff about us working on scripts working on skits um you know like sketch comedy and that's something I really want to do with this group. Uh, I just know that we all have such great potential. It's such a, it's such a melting pot of individuals. You know what I mean? Everybody's got a different background and perspective and story to tell. Um, and especially here recently, everybody's been working really well together. You know what I mean? Like we all respect each other. Um, and I think, I think the, the, the size of our market 
us being in a smaller market and having a smaller group of only like 15 comics gives us an advantage over Richmond or DC where they have 30 comics at any one open mic and um, things get very clicky when the tribe gets that big um, to where us it's like we're just kind of forced to all sit at the same table yeah. and um, I think people have been figuring out how each other work you know what I mean what we expect yeah. from each other um, and just just because we're doing like uh, uh, improv and, and group things like that doesn't mean we can't focus on our individual selves too but I think that is going to help everything too um, I think the improv will go hand in hand with the comedy just as far as like skill sets and mm -hmm. wittiness and off the cuff um, but also working together and working as individuals at the same open mic is going to help us all to really integrate our strengths. Yeah, because like you said, um, all of the Fredericksburg comics bring something really unique and cool to the table. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's yeah. a perfect way to put it, Heather. That is a perfect yeah. way to put it. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I like Fredericksburg comedy so much. As, as I mentioned earlier, like, you know, when it comes to professional comics, I like a diversity of things. You know, I like comics that do all kinds of different jokes and you get all of different kinds of jokes in Fredericksburg. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I'm, and I'm sure you get that everywhere, but I don't know, our, our group just feels special. Maybe I'm just a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm, at least I'm a narcissist for all of us. Like, yeah, there you <laughs> go. It's not my group, I called it our group. <laughs> um, I see you guys have a whiteboard behind you on the wall over there. We do. Uh, is that the whiteboard? So for those of you who don't know, I think we already talked about earlier that I'm recently beginning back into mathematics. Brian, you're a friend of mine who is a math whiz. Um, so every now and again, I'll come to you with some strange text messages or <laughs> YouTube links um, and trying to like, I don't know, get you on the same wavelength as me or, or help, help me understand. Mm -hmm. But I sent you... Uh, I sent you a video about the Fibonacci sequence recently, about a month or so ago. And Heather told me that you were on the whiteboard after that. Um, and when I, when I saw you at the next open mic and I asked you what you were doing on the whiteboard, you said that you were trying to understand why it worked. Oh, was it, it, so that wasn't the Fibonacci. That was the, uh, the vortex math. Oh, the Tesla code. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, there's a sequence there, and I was trying to remember, like, I was trying to figure out, like, how do you get that sequence to come out? I ended up giving up and Googling it, and there are people who have, who can show that that works, you know, why it is that, um, so I guess maybe, I don't know if our viewers know what, what you're talking about, or what I'm talking about, right? Get the other whiteboard. If you want, I think it's actually over there. Oh, okay. Um, so it's your pop-up book too, Heather. <laughs> you can if you want. So right, so it's this idea. Is this gonna work? Yeah. I don't. Oh god. Okay, I am now a whiteboard. I'm, Here, I'm, I'll hold it and you can write. Is that gonna work? Actually, I think we, we were thinking about this earlier. Um, this is not a math lesson. This might turn into a math lesson. If this ends up being uh, us tutoring you in algebra as well, that's that's fine. 
Do I owe you guys like five bucks for tutoring? <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. I don't know if I can write this big enough, right? So it's this whole idea of we work in base 10. So we're going to take the digits. Let's see, is that going to show up? Is that yeah. It? Yeah, it's showing up well. All right. Let me make that a little bigger. All right. Oh, that's right. My my webcam is mirroring it, right? Yeah. Five, six. Oh, I'm not laying it out nicely. Eight, nine. All right. So they do this like arrange the numbers in a wheel. Yeah. And then you say, all right, I'm going to start at one. Just because eh, we'll start somewhere. We start at one. And then you, you just take the number and you double it. All right. So that gets you to two. See, how does it, I'm not describing it well. All right. It's been a little while since I looked at it. My apologies, Scott. And no, apologies it's fine, bud. It's been a while since I looked at it too, honestly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the idea, right, you take the digits one through nine, put them in a circle, and you start with a number. We'll get to what number you could pick later, but we'll start with one. And then you do this little game where you say, all right, starting with one, we'll double it and then add all the digits of that number. So doubling one just gets you two, so that's kind of boring. Doubling okay. two gets you four, and that's kind of boring. Is it doubling? It is doubling, right? Yeah, doubling yeah. four to two eight. Two gets, yeah, double again, you get to eight. And, and then, then you go, okay, doubling eight, you get, I don't know if you can see this on the side, you get 16. One plus six is seven. And then you do this like one plus six equals seven. Okay, so that tells you to back up to here. All right, doubling 16 is 32. But you sum those digits, you get five. You get five. All right, double again, you get 64, which gets you 10. But then you you add those digits together which is one. to get one. Come back to one. And then the, you end up getting this repeating cycle. And that was the part I was trying to work out. Like if you keep doubling this, right, you get 128. All right, 128 is 13. Add those digits together. Wait, is that all right? Am I skipping something? No, I'm sorry, not 13. What am I doing? Add those digits together, you get 11, you get two. That's what I was doing there. Uh, and then you keep going, right? And then you end up getting this, this so-called vortex infinity symbol looking thing. Thank you for being my board, sweetie. Uh, and you do that. If you had started, you know, at a two or four, I think you still get something that lies on this vortex. Um, if you start at three, you double three, you get six. All right, you double three, you get six. Double it again, you get 12. But you add those digits together, you get three. So this keeps going back and forth. And then if you started at nine, you just always stay at nine. Yeah. Right. So there's like, okay, so there's this weird thing that you do. You arrange these digits in this circle, and then there's this arithmetic where you, you take a number, you double it, and you add the digits together, and you keep adding those digits together until you get something that's one of these numbers. And then, oh, there's this pattern that shows up. Um, but then the leap is, okay, so there's this pattern, and there are people that have showed, like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can mathematically prove why this works out. I, I don't remember how exactly that works now, but it's mathy. I know it does work. But then it's kind of like, there's then this leap that says, okay, this vortex map, this pattern, this sequence, one, two, five, six, seven, 
Wait, am I messing this up? No. Sorry. It's one, two, four, eight, seven, five, right? But this sequence somehow means something. And that's the part where I go, how? <laughs> how do, like, what, what is it, where does it mean anything? How does it mean anything? I mean, you find a pattern, but at the same time, it's like, well, you arrange numbers in a circle and then you do this repetitive operation and a pattern showed up. Like it's, it's almost expected that a pattern would show up, right? Yeah. Uh, and then people have showed like, well, okay, you know, this is base 10 arithmetic that this works in, which we're missing a zero, but whatever. Base 10 arithmetic. If you were to do stuff in base six or base 26 or something, but you can define math that way. We define math, you know, our numbers are often base 10 and that's probably because we have 10 fingers. Yeah. Right. But you don't have to. In fact, a lot of civilizations didn't. Uh, the Babylonians like base 12 and base 60 for stuff. It's why clocks still have 12 hours, you know, in an AM or PM. It, you still have uh, 60, 60 minutes. minutes and 60 seconds making a, uh, sorry, 60 seconds making a minute, 60 minutes making an hour. So uh, those are both, circles uh, are 360 degrees, right? It, it all comes from that. So if you did some other base system, yeah, we'll just say this. So those those base systems that you just described are all multiplicative of three. 12, 60, 360. Well, oh. okay, I just picked ones, but I mean, like, so computers use binary, right? Right, zero, ones one, and zero. zeros, or things that are multiples of two, like hexadecimal is 16, right? Um, and there's math you can do in hexadecimal. Uh, and if you go to some number system like that, that pattern might not be, that might not show up, but you might be able to do some operation that will, right? Right. But so the, so the question is, okay, you found a pattern, you know, you, you did some math and found a sequence, but where, where does the divinity show up, right? Where does the significance come in, I guess? Um, yeah, that's where I, that's where I, that was, leap doesn't follow. Yeah. So it was really that three, six and nine that Tesla was so um, enthralled with, so obsessed mm -hmm. with. He said, if if you understood the significance of three, six, and nine, you'd have a key to unlock the universe. Mm -hmm. um, and then <clears throat> I, I don't remember how exactly they do it either, but they do show how that three, that six, that nine connect and they make a triangle within right. that like um, infinity symbol or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And um, that was really the basis for a lot of Tesla's like blueprints, a lot of his um, creations or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I thought about that when Heather, you know, named the, the, the rule of three, the rule of three in comedy. Um, and that rule, there's something about a rule of three. It seems to be prominent in other places too. Um, yeah. Well, like yeah, a lot of people with OCD have to do things in threes. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't exactly see the divinity either, Brian. And mm -hmm. and I spend more of my time studying that side of the uh, the equation, for lack mm -hmm. of a better term. Um, but it is something that I've like kind of felt and experienced before that Tesla code and that vortex math, where I've literally almost kind of seen it bouncing around a room, 
you know what I mean? Like you could see that it was evident in nature. Um, I've also felt like I could see the Fibonacci sequence in the clouds before. Um, um, even though the clouds are very amorphous and tend to be shapeless things, there was still like a geometrical nature and pattern to the way that they were moving. Um, and a lot of the universe seems to work that way. I mean, we do. The, the phi ratio, the Vitruvian man, that's, that's the golden ratio. That's the golden rectangle, the Fibonacci sequence. So it all kind of ties together. Um, it's hard to deny intelligent creation when you look at things like the Fibonacci sequence and the phi ratio. Um, if the universe was random, then the phi ratio wouldn't exist, right? Go for it, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's, so I think, I think in what you said, there's kind of the, the mysticism that we put to numbers and then stuff that shows up in nature, right? right. So like, you know, we, people like the number three, you know, doing the rule of three in comedy. Um, I remember writing essays in school where it's like write three paragraphs and they tell you how right. to structure things in three. There's something like psychologically pleasing about three. It's like a sense of completion. Like you hear that third thing and you yeah. know, okay, it's done. Yeah, right. beginning, middle, end. That's three. Yeah. Right. There's something right. about three, and I'm not a psychologist, so I can't speak to what that is or why people like three. Um, and then, yeah, there, there does seem to be, well, math works. There's laws of physics that work, um, that do a good job of describing things. And, and they're really all always capable of being in flux, right? It's kind of like, we have this math, we have this logic that we've built up with this physics that we've built up based on observations and logic, uh, based on the universe that we have seen, what we know, uh, there's always the possibility that we'll point a telescope at some spot in Andromeda and go, what the hell is that? And it all breaks apart. Um, that, I, I take a very empirical philosophy on a lot of this stuff, by the way. Um, but, what, what, is it, what, what do you mean by that empirical philosophy? Uh, so, okay, now I'm dropping back to freshman philosophy class. <laughs> there's, there, there's these schools of thought of like rationalism, empiricism, pragmatism, another one hey there's three again right um right rationalism is this whole like Rene Descartes idea of everything that I can know I can just reason to so from just ideas in my head I can just reason to truth but I I guess it's the scientist in me would argue that that's you could just create all kinds of weird assumptions and build up systems of thought and argue that that's valid okay sure but it doesn't mean anything to me like what actually is going to mean something is what's empirical, what you can actually go out and test repeatedly, what independent people can test repeatedly. Um, that's sort of empirical that, that you're deriving knowledge from the outside world, this experimental world that we live in. Got you. Uh, and trying to derive uh, thought and, and logic and systems like that from there. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, golden ratio. 
I think that's where I was going with that. Uh, so there's certain things like the gold ratio that, that that's an interesting one because, you know, it does show up. Um, it shows up as like in a few different places in geometry, like or or in math, like the Fibonacci sequence, right? So the Fibonacci sequence. Can I jump back to the whiteboard, Shady? Okay, more math time. I so this is a problem. You you. Uh, okay, first off, I want you to note that we're big nerds and we have a whiteboard back there and we have a whiteboard here so we are we are loaded with whiteboards uh and at my parents house i have how big it's like an eight foot by five foot whiteboard like one of the ones a teacher or professor would have in a classroom because for some reason i decided that's what i wanted for my birthday one year as a giant <laughs> whiteboard uh, I, sadly it's at my parents house because i have no way of getting in here <laughs> but anyway so the Fibonacci sequence, right? For those who do not know, uh, right? You, you can. They usually you start with two numbers. You can kind of make different Fibonacci sequences if you want to. But the classic one is you start with one and one. So you start with two numbers, and then the rule is basically the next number is just the sum of the two before it. All right. So one and one is two. All right. One and two is three. Sum again, you get five and so on. Eight, 13. Oh, when I was captain there. of the math team, I actually would write out the first 10 digits on my little sheet every time because for some reason they loved always asking questions about the Fibonacci sequence. That would come up a lot. Like what's the 10th digit of the Fibonacci sequence? Never knew why. But the point is like, if you took the ratios of these things, so if you said, okay, that's one over one, that's two over one, that's three over two. Like if you just kind of take the ratio, this number to the one before it, and just say, okay, what, it starts to look like it might converge. And if you keep going, you eventually get the golden ratio. You end up getting this, this phi is the letter they like to use. And it's something like that. And apologize, my handwriting is not the best, yeah. but you get that basically. It ends up just being, you do the math it's not too hard i'll skip it for now you can look it up on wikipedia but uh you end up getting this golden ratio yeah you can go ahead and that. well okay you go you do that you say what's this what's the limit of the thing what is this going towards is this ratio stabilizing it does and it goes towards this this ratio and to find it you end up just finding some little polynomial it's like x squared minus x plus one it's a little algebra problem set that equal to zero and solve um do your little quadratic formula and you end up with that. It turns out you run into the same little equation and therefore the same little ratio when you look at like pentagrams and pentagons um, and a few other weird spots in math. Um, and this, okay, so then there's like, all right, this number shows up because the equation that generates the number shows up is really what's happening. And then you go, okay, that that's cool. But then it also shows up in art and architecture and stuff. But you find out a lot of the art and architecture is really people putting it in there. Like people right. go, oh, this is cool. This is aesthetically pleasing. I'm going to put it in here. It's a long, irrational number. You could probably have tweaked it a little bit. Instead of 1.618, it could be 1.62 or 1.7. And the naked eye might not notice or care. It might still be close enough to a appeasing number, right? Um, and then there's thoughts that like the Parthenon or the Great Pyramids were built to that ratio. But 
actually the Parthenon doesn't even follow that ratio. I think people have gone back later and measured it and it's like, yeah, no, there's no ratio between any two anything here that quite follows pi, or sorry, follows phi, the Greek uh, letter for the golden ratio. And then when it comes to the pyramids, I think uh, I was actually looking at Wikipedia not long ago on that, like that one, it's like the dimensions are kind of close, but then there's like, Eh, actually, it, it's not that close. Like, there's other things that are that would better explain that ratio. It it starts to become a. We think this number means something, so let's go see if we can find it. And right. if you've got a hammer and you're looking for nails, eventually you'll find nails, right? right? So you'll find all these like weird eccentric things, and you'll just ah, there's a nail, and you'll just start hammering away. And this must mean something. Well. There's a lot of shit we can look at. There's a lot of ratios, a lot of numbers, a lot of dimensions and things that we can look at. But so eventually you're going to find something, right? Right. And we're pattern, we're pattern seeking creatures anyway. Yeah. It, it's kind of something that you, you would actually probably be very interested in is Bible code. Have you ever heard of Bible code? Uh, yes, I have heard of that. Um, yeah. So that, that's the classic example of this where like people will take uh, the Torah in Hebrew right? So uh -huh. the closest to divinity that, well, depending on your faith, uh, right? They'll take this book, they'll lay out all the letters, they'll skip all the spaces and punctuation stuff, lay all the letters in this grid. How big is the grid? You know, how many rows and columns? Ah, it's a parameter you can play with. So you already got a lot of arbitration there. And then they go, all right, and then it becomes like a crossword puzzle. All right, we can, can we find this word and this word and this word? And so people have gone in and found like, Bush 9-11. Oh God, Bush did 9-11, right? Because you've, what it is in the end is you have all these arbitrary rules for how you can define this matrix of, uh, of Hebrew characters. And then you're looking for stuff and you're being very loose with how you're looking for it through a very thick volume. It turns out you can do similar things. Like you can find Oswald Kennedy, Dallas or something like that in Moby Dick. I don't remember right. which exactly what it is, but you can take other big volumes, Lord of the Rings, do the same kind of thing, and you'll find patterns that are really interesting, right? It's uh, our brains are wired for patterns, right? It's what we do. We look for faces on Mars or faces and places, faces and places. I didn't mean to rhyme. Um, we look for faces. We look for patterns. We look for things, but. It's just because that's what we do. And then we find something, but it's like, oh, well, we were desperately searching for this pattern. Eventually, you've got to run into it, right? Right, but That right. doesn't mean anything. No, I, I totally see. Yeah, 100%. I, to, I like the way you uh, describe the psychology of the situation. And that does kind of explain, like, um, conspiracy theories, some conspiracy theories, things like that, is because it, it is. It's if if you want a narrative to be true, you will go out seeking knowledge to back that narrative. Um, mm. And you almost create a certain level of cognitive dissonance to where it's like you won't mm. accept new information that goes against your narrative or what you want it to be. Yeah. Or you'll yeah. shove it in anyway, knowing that it's contradictory, but be fine with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was something that you said that I wanted to talk about and I lost it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, man. No, 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 you're fine. This is why uh, Heather usually cuts me off. <laughs> I'll go on some dumb, long, mansplaining rant from something I remember reading on a Wikipedia page like 10 years ago. 
and she's like, no, sweetie, nobody, nobody cares. No, yeah, no, it's not, it's not your fault I'm a burnout and that I forgot what I wanted to say. No, uh, no, you're good, man. That's totally my fault. Uh, um, so you brought up the pyramids. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of, I watched a thing where they kind of applied the Tesla code to the pyramids and we're talking about that. I think I sent you the video, but ultimately the conclusion that the theory that they came to is that the pyramids weren't like a tomb. It was, um, it was like a chamber where they were trying to recreate like the, the death experience, um, through like resonant frequency. It's like they were trying to give people psychedelic experiences through, through sound waves. And if you look at a lot of churches and stuff like that, they're built a certain way. So the acoustics are a certain way. So they hit a certain frequency Mm -hmm. um, because once again, you know, everything's vibrations. It kind of ties back into the vibrations of things. Right. Um, But I found that really interesting. That's the only thing that I can think of to talk off of what you said. I'm sorry. Um, no, don't be sorry, dude. It was super interesting. Um, you're a really smart guy, man. Uh, I appreciate it. One of the reasons why I love talking to you guys. Um, but no, I, I like what you said, how you explained the psychology of it and how we are pattern-seeking animals. And, and that hammer analogy really rings true. It's like, if you're looking for nails, you're going to find one. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually everything becomes a nail to you. Mm-hmm. So then it's like, um, you know, if you go seeking divinity or whatever it is, well, guess what? Everything start looking divine, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, y'all are cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Scott. Um, is there anything else that you guys would like to add? I feel like I, I've been doing too much talking lately. And you've been holding too much whiteboard. Do you want me to hold the whiteboard while you <laughs> while you uh, ladies playing something? No, it's okay. <laughs> well, hopefully all this stuff clears up soon so that we can have like actual. Uh, but what's it going to take, you know, for responsible adults like yourselves? What's it going to take for for you guys to trust the situation and go? You know what? All right, we can go back out. This isn't as serious as it was. So, okay. So here's my thing. Um, I, I hear people will say, and like, I'll see people post on Facebook, like, well, I don't care if I get COVID-19. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Like, okay, all right, me too. I don't care if I have it, but I don't want to go to the grocery store and give it to the cashier, um, yeah. you know, because I have a tremendous sense of guilt about every single thing in my life. Note so, that she didn't care about my health. She cares well, about I know the cash. That we're both pretty healthy and we're young, so we would probably be fine. We might have like cold symptoms, but we'd probably be fine. Um, but, you know, so I don't, I just don't want to feel that guilt, you know, yeah. about going out, getting it and possibly giving it to someone else who could have much worse, you know, manifestation of it than I do. Um, I think masks are going to help a lot, but mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for stand-up comics to <laughs> tell jokes wearing masks, and it's going to be hard for people in restaurants and bars to enjoy their experience wearing masks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Do you I think honestly, that's where the new world is going, that we're going to be like China's SARS epidemic? 
in that we're like always wearing masks or yeah how they i mean and i know that has a lot to do with like smog and emissions um there too but yeah it seems like since the sars thing happened when i was a kid that that every time you see footage of that country they're all in masks yeah and those and you see a lot of like if you go to the airports you find a lot of asian folks still wearing masks you know before all this we're wearing exactly exactly um yeah, that's really hard to know. Um, there probably will be more like people in airports and such wearing masks. Um, it, it's probably the kind of thing where we don't necessarily need to wear masks all the time. I, okay, I'm not an epidemiologist, so, so caveat this, right? Well, my, my guess is that we'll go towards, you know, if you're traveling internationally or you're, you're in these places, you, you, people will probably be wearing masks more often. Um, I'm hoping it goes in the direction of not like we're wearing masks all the time, but that we're just more responsive and aware of things that we're more aware that like, oh yeah, something's brewing over here. So let's see if we can restrict travel and let's really ramp up testing. Right. Like right. that, that's been one of the things that's, that's hurt us a lot compared to like South Korea or, or Australia even where they've, they ramped up testing early and they didn't have nearly the impact right um, so like just being more precautious and having the systems in place now that you're aware that like oh this is really a thing that could happen it's not a distant impossibility it, no it's something that certainly can happen yeah um so may- maybe we won't end up with masks but all the time but that's that's in a few years yeah. what's it like a year from now i don't what were you saying, Heather, before I cut you off? I don't remember. So, so what would it take to... Oh, what would it take? Um, <coughs> honestly, I don't know. I think that once they finally get the vaccine out, that's going to help a lot, but that's going to be months still. Yeah. I mean, something could come out in a couple of months, but they're probably going to rush the hell out of those drug trials, and you're not sure the long-term effect of those. Yeah. So I just feel like we're going to see, now that things are opening back up, I feel like we're going to see more spikes and things are going to get, you know, maybe even worse than they were. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah like, it's not like the low. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like you said, Heather, I worry about the same thing about, um, you know, I'm young and dumb and I don't care about my own well-being that much, but uh, how horrible I would feel if I, you know, brought COVID to the girl that I'm talking to and then her kid got it as a result. Mm. You know, I would hate myself. I, I would be very sick with myself. Um, so you guys don't see things really resuming normal for a couple months, though. Probably not. Probably not. Um, there do seem to be countries and places that have opened up, but with more restrictions and mask wearing, and that seems in testing. And it seems like yeah, the those two seem to really help. Um, yeah, there's so a video I'll plug here. It's not mine or anything. Uh, there's a YouTube channel. It's three blue, one brown, something like that. It's a mathy guy, actually. You might you might enjoy him. Uh, he does all this like really cool math equation visualization stuff. And he did this uh, COVID model a couple of months ago where he's kind of like, okay, what if uh, we do social distancing? And what if we do math? Like what? what do those things do directly in the parameters of the equations that would describe the spread of COVID? 
And, you know, kind of the two big takeaways or the two takeaways that, you know, the CDC or the World Health Organization has been saying for a long time, which is you got to test a lot. And once you find people, you got to quarantine them. Oh, and you need to cut down the spread, usually masks and hand washing, which are cheap. All that's certainly doable. We just need to be prepared and take it seriously and do it. Yeah. Be more responsible as a nation, as individuals. Yeah. I really well, appreciate you guys. What, what were you saying? Heather? I was going to say, now that we've killed the buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back and talk about Tool. So what is your favorite Tool song? <laughs> uh, recently, it's been Reflection off the Lateralis al- album. Oh, okay. Before it was Lateralis. Mm-hmm. Um just because of my obsession with the Fibonacci and the mysticism mm-hmm. and the divine and mm-hmm. the lyrics of the song and how they, um, I think that's what I was going to ask you, Brian, when you were mm-hmm. talking about everything. Do you think that, do you think that like that song in particular or paintings, you know, you know, like the classic Oriental painting of the, the tidal wave, right? Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah. That, that's like, it's based off Fibonacci spiral. Okay. Do you think those things are more pleasing to us because they're a part of us? Earlier, you were saying that you think know. people purposefully put the Fibonacci ratio, the, the golden ratio into mm. artwork because it's more soothing to us. I forget exactly how you described it. but you... Yeah, well, I think sometimes people think that, okay, this is some divine mystic number of some kind, and therefore, ah, we'll put it in art. And oh yeah, it kind of looks like it. It is beautiful in a way. Um, but that's almost more, yeah, we're trying to force something. I don't know if at the same time it is. Like if you made a spiral and you made a whole series of spirals with different numbers guiding how you make those spirals and you tested people, which one's the most pleasing? I don't know if it'll come out as the golden ratio. It'd be interesting. I, I don't know if anyone's ever done that study, right? Um, that's an interesting it's an interesting I, I hypothesis know. yeah that's the man you're a smart cat mm. I, i'm <laughs> a smart person i'm not a cat all right you're right good call no. <laughs> my perception's off today i thought heather had a talking cat <laughs> <laughs> wait I, really... I don't have a i don't have a cat meow <laughs> You guys, you guys don't have any pets, huh? No, we don't. No, not even. We're at a rental right now, so it's okay. Oh, you know, not really good idea. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, I really want to say thank you guys for doing this, um, Heather. You came on before with Pete and Brian. I wanted you to be on for that one because we were. That was the beginning of the week before. That was Monday, and we did Valentine's yeah. Friday, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, I. I wanted to be on that badly that sounded like a lot of fun i thought it'd be fun to promote the show and talk about love you know and relationships and things so a little bum we didn't get to do that but um well i'm glad that we got to do it this time because we yeah. we still got to do it i mean uh yeah. it wasn't for promotion for the show but you guys still kind of have to tell your story um yeah. i know that you guys have all the potential to be great i've told you before like if this is something that you want um mm-hmm. then a lot of us in the FXBG comedy scene have the potential to be Bill Burr's and Joe Rogan's and Whitney mm-hmm. Cummings. Um, 
and things like that. So because of that, I, I find it important to have you guys on my podcast and show people who you are and let people get to know you because you totally have the potential to be somebody worth knowing one day. Not not, not that you're not worth knowing now, but you, I think you understand what I'm saying. I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. And thanks right. thanks for the, the opportunity. And you're totally yeah. going to be Whitney Cummings, right? Yeah, I'm going to be Whitney Cummings. You're going to be the next Patton Oswalt? Yeah. Okay. I thought she was going to be the next Burke Kreischer. <laughs> But I love you guys. Thank you so much for doing this, Brian. I'm glad that I could get you on. Heather, thank you Thanks, for coming on with Brian. Even though he just steamrolled you the whole time. Pass the ball, man. Pass the ball. <laughs> Pete, Pete did the same thing. Yeah. I just like to listen. You're very observant. I mean, most comedians are. We're observers. That's A lot of creators are like that. Just observant. Um, but no, it was great talking to you guys, man. I hope you have a good night. Thank you again for doing this. Yeah, thank yeah you, you too, man. And then um, everybody, you can find the Joyce's on Facebook. They're not as much on social media as everybody else. Yeah. And you can see them do stand up in a couple months when uh, things get a little bit more back to normal for them. They're responsible mm -hmm. adults. They're not <laughs> stupid like me. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, soon. Salutations. Live Wait. long and prosper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye, guys. Y'all have a good night. See you, bye. Bye.